this morning in the book of Luke in chapter 5, book of Luke in chapter 5. The title of our message this morning is going to be The Prayer Life of Jesus. The Prayer Life of Jesus. I want to start with Luke 5 and read verse 12 through 16. And it happened when he was in a certain city that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus, and he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Let's pray. Father, help us this morning as we focus, Lord, upon the subject of the prayer life of Christ. And I pray that as we see that the Son of God Himself is marked by a life of prayer, that it would encourage us and help us to understand that if He Himself would be marked by a life of prayer, how much more should we? Help us, Father, I pray, to be in constant, continual communion with You, our Heavenly Father. Help us, Lord, to realize that we can do nothing without your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and help us to live every day walking with Him in continual communion and prayer and intimacy. Help us to see that if we want a fruitful life of ministry in our life, Lord, we must abide in You. We must walk with You. We must commune with You. Stir within us a revival of prayer and help us to be even more dependent upon You this year to casting ourselves upon You daily seeking your will, seeking your strength to do what you'd have us to do. In Jesus' name I pray, and amen. I am going to take a little break on Sunday mornings uh, from our series on uh, Bible doctrine and really focus upon this subject of prayer. I come to realize that you know I've did several series of prayer in my life and, and even a few here, um, but I've noticed that they were typically done on Sunday nights or they've been done uh, on Wednesday nights. And I felt like I really needed to spend a little bit of time on the subject of prayer uh, on Sunday mornings. Now several things have really been at work in me and in, in my own heart and life uh, to lead me in this direction to uh, speak upon prayer for a little while. Uh, first of all, one of the things that the Lord worked upon me is in regard to our study on Wednesday nights that uh, that we began uh, several weeks ago on the lukewarm church. and Actually, we only got one message into that because things keep happening on Sunday nights. Uh, but uh, we began that uh, several weeks ago. And, and one of the things that Jesus said there to the lukewarm church is He said that He wanted them to be zealous. He wanted them to be zealous. And, and that word zealous speaks of being you know, on fire. And so it really got me thinking about being zealous in prayer. That's kind of a little bit where this is coming from, this series. And because that, that word zeal speaks of, of, of heat. 
Another thing was the fact that my own personal deficiency that I have sensed in regard to uh, my own struggle in my own prayer life. And I think if all of us, you know, were honest, we would admit that we have those times and maybe we're in that time right now that, you know, we couldn't describe our prayer life as being very uh, good right now at this time. And so I think just focusing, you know, on this on Sunday mornings for a little while and uh, should help me. Also, another thing that kind of led in this direction, it seemed like the Lord was just hitting several things with me, is I had recently watched again that, that movie, War Room. How many have seen that movie, War Room? And well, if you haven't seen that movie, you really need to watch that movie. But there's a scene in there where the older lady there is asked the woman whom she's trying to teach about prayer, and she asked the question if she would describe her prayer life as hot. And while she's asking her that, uh, she serves her up some lukewarm tea. And she kind of spits the tea out, you know, and, and, uh, and she said, you always drink your tea like that. And she, of course, she, the older lady's laughing and says, no, you know, she was making a, a point. And, um, uh, you know, I don't want a lukewarm prayer life. Another thing was just the leading of the Lord to have the theme of abiding in Christ. And so I want to focus on prayer because prayer is the very vital part of abiding in Christ. We cannot abide in Him without a life of prayer. And then another thing, so like I said, the Lord was just hitting me on several uh, ends here, uh, was my rereading of a book that really greatly affected my life and ministry many years ago when I was in Willow Hill, Illinois, uh, entitled The Ministry of Intercession. Ministry of Intercession by Andrew Murray. Uh, let me encourage you uh, to read that, Ministry of Intercession. I might get a few, put them on the back counter for those that want them. Um, or if you want to go online and buy them, I'm sure it's not very much. A Ministry of Intercession by Andrew Murray. Just a really good book on prayer. I want to encourage you uh, to read that. And, and so a lot of different things, you know, the Lord's worked in my life to, to bring me to uh, this place this morning, just to focus uh, on prayer. There's a lot of places we can start, a lot of things we can say about prayer. We plan to say on prayer. But I want to focus this first message really on the prayer life of Jesus. It fascinates me uh, that prayer was so important to Jesus. Now, I simply don't believe that He did it just to set us an example. He is the God-man. And as man, the God-man in the flesh, He needed prayer. That Jesus needed prayer. I think He needed prayer. Because He needed that communion and intimacy with His Father. If the, the Son of God would need prayer, if the Son of God would need it in his own personal life and ministry, how much more so would we need it? If the Son of God would pray often, how much more often, really, should we even pray? Here in, in these verses that we've read, after healing this man of leprosy, we read that the fame of Jesus here was spread abroad, and, and, and so it is still today. When, when people think about the ministry uh, of the life of Jesus Christ. Uh, a lot of things that the people highlight or are focusing on are really uh, the miracles or the healings. And there's ministries out there today that that's all they want to mention or, or talk about is really the miracles or healings of Jesus. Now, I do not believe, as you read, that the passage that we read that, that Jesus wanted His ministry to be all about the healings. 
I mean, how many times did Jesus, after he would heal somebody, what would he tell them sometimes? Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Why? Because he knew of the influx that would, check, would happen and all these people would come to him. That wasn't the main purpose of his ministry. And so we see that even in this passage. He had told them uh, not to tell anybody, but report went around concerning him, him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear, to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew and prayed. Um, and so uh, the main ministry of Jesus, sometimes people think about it really, well, he, all the great miracles that he did, the healing of the blind, the dumb and the deaf. And uh, we have uh, great passages that I love to read and, and to think about, uh, the, the raising of Lazarus, the, the lame jumping, I mean, people being healed. All of these things are wonderful miracles that the Lord has done. And I have no doubt the Lord still does many miracles. The fame of the miracles of Jesus are still known by much of the world today, and you can even pick up on them sometimes in movies that are not even Christian at all, a reference something to somehow of something that Jesus did that was miraculous. But the part of the ministry of Jesus Christ that, that is mentioned not very much in the world is His ministry of prayer. And the life of Jesus Christ in regards to how He prayed it's not really a focus in this world at all. Uh, David Guzik said this, Jesus never cultivated a following as healer itself. So when the crowd started coming for mostly that reason, he made it a special point to withdraw into the wilderness for prayer. The demands of life pushed Jesus to prayer, not from it. Now, in regard to Jesus and prayer, we really don't know a lot about the prayer life of Christ. In other words, we don't see, there's not a lot of red, if you would, in the Bible that tells us everything Jesus prayed for. Now, John 17, there's a big prayer there, uh, there his high priestly prayer. We're not going to look into that at this time uh, in this message. Uh, but so far as his prayer life, there's not a lot of detail. Oftentimes, we're just told that he went apart and he prayed. And so many times I read those passages, I'm like, what did he pray? <laughs> What did he pray then? What did he pray then? I want to know those things. Um, so the Gospels really don't give us a lot of detail about, about what he prayed often other than in John 17. But as we look at some other places in the Scriptures, and we're going to stay right here in the book of Luke, there are, there are some gems in the Scriptures that point to the fact that, that, that prayer was vital to the life and ministry of Jesus. To the life and ministry of Jesus. Of Jesus, and, and if prayer life was important in the ministry of Jesus, it ought to be important in our life, in our ministry. And listen, our whole life is to be a ministry. Our whole life, when we get up in the mornings, our life is about ministry, it's about ministering to others and doing the will of God. Prayer is vital. And I believe we will not have a very good ministry in our life to those around us if we do not cultivate a life of prayer. I believe if we truly understand how important prayer is, and we, uh, uh, if we understand that, that prayer and ministry must go together, then we'll understand really how can we have any ministry in our life without prayer. Or, and honestly, and how can we have prayer and then not do ministry? That they are intricately connected. I believe that, that the praying person will have a ministry. 
because they will have a desire as they get intimate with the Savior and get close to Him, commune with Him, the desire to minister and to reach out and to help and to serve and to love and to tell about Christ will naturally spring forth from the soul that is connected to Christ, abiding in Christ and in that intimacy. Ministry will happen. Ministry will happen in your life. Ministry will happen, will spring forth. Ministry will be the fruit of an abiding life in Christ. Oftentimes we can jump right into ministry and it not be from a life abiding in Christ. We jump right in, we want to do this, do that, but it hasn't spring forth from a life that's abiding in the person of Christ in intimacy. If the Son of God Himself would pray often, we should as well. We want to stay in the book of Luke, but turn back to Luke chapter 3. We see prayer even at the very beginning here in the ministry of Jesus Christ, as He beginning His ministry of life, His public ministry, I should say. I think He did things before this, of course, but His public ministry. In Luke chapter 3, here at His baptism, we see prayer even there. Luke chapter 3 and verse 21 says, When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, so he says the example of baptism. For those of you who are saved, you follow Lord in baptism. If you're going to follow Jesus, I'll throw that in there. And so, and while he prayed, the heaven was opened. I love that. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. I love that. So at His baptism here, we see that Christ prayed. Now Jesus here is he's about to be baptized, beginning His public earthly ministry. We find Him praying. And as He prays, the Scriptures say that the heaven was opened. I just love that language there. And the Holy Spirit descended. Now, there's some things we'll get into later where, where Jesus, not, not in this message, where Jesus talks about how that uh, if we pray to our Heavenly Father, shall He not give the Holy Spirit to those that ask Him? But here we see the heaven was opened as Jesus prayed, and the Holy Spirit descended, and a voice came from heaven. Well, what an extraordinary event, one of a kind, of course, and I think there's something, for us, though, for us to learn in this, even for ourselves, which is still true today. One, we need to prayerfully enter all aspects of ministry in our life. I'm not talking about starting an official ministry, and though that must need to be done to, to prayerfully do those things. But every day, if we see our life as a ministry, and we wake up in the morning and say, Lord, help me to minister and help me to serve, it must begin in a life devoted to prayer. Because it's there where we find intimacy with Christ, we find direction in our life, we find the leadership of the Spirit to find where the Lord would have us to serve, where He would have us to go, what He would have us to say. We need to pray about what the Lord would have us to do. Be intimate with Him, and He shows us those things. And also what we see here is that when we prayerfully seek the Lord, it says the heavens were opened. The heavens were opened. I believe literally they were opened. <laughs> literally they were opened. And, and what a sight that would have been to see. But are there not times in which we sense that the heavens are opened? When we're in close, intimate, 
uh, relationship with Christ and we're in prayer and communion with Him and we're pouring our hearts out to our Father in heaven through Christ our Lord and we feel as though the heavens are opened. I mean, if we've been a Christian for any time at all, we can definitely testify to the facts where, where the heavens or the ceiling felt like brass. You know, you couldn't break through. It's like, what's hindering me? What's stopping? And oftentimes we just... We hadn't been in prayer for a while, or we've got sin in our life, or too much distractions going on. It's like we just can't focus on prayer. But isn't it wonderful, if you would, when we sense that we've broken through and we know that we're communion with God and we're intimate communion with Him, and it's as though the heavens are open. Also, when we speak with the Lord in prayer, just as Jesus spoke to the Father in prayer, we find that the Father spoke to Him. A voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. When we speak with the Lord in prayer, you know what? He speaks to us. We must combine this prayer with the Word of God. We must be in the Word of God and pray if we're going to have this uh, intimate relationship with Christ. In other words, we can't isolate prayer from the Word. We must be in the Word and we must pray. But if we want to hear uh, the Lord speak to us in a very intimate way, we must be in prayer and in His Word. In other words, you can't just be talking to God. You've got to listen for God. You've got to listen for God. And how do we listen for God? We get in His Word, and we're in it, and we're quiet, and we're still, and we read, and we meditate, and we pray. We're, we're just too busy sometimes, and we rush through the motions sometimes, do we not? We're, we're, we're just, maybe, maybe, you are, maybe you are reading the Word a lot, but are you praying as well? Or maybe you're just praying all the time and you're not in the Word. Folks, for, for to have a good, close relationship with Christ, it takes communication. It's about communication. It's you talking to God, prayer. It's you listening to God, His Word. You know that's true in any kind of relationship. It's got to go both ways. You've gotta, there's got to be listening and there's got to be talking. There's got to be prayer and there's got to be listening to the Word of God. You cannot have a close relationship with Christ without prayer and His Word. Let me tell you what, when, you, when you're in the Word and you're praying and you're seeking and you're sitting there at the feet of Christ in His Word and you're taking your time, you're not rushing through, you get so much more out of the Word of God than if you're just reading to be reading to make yourself feel good because you read. Well, you did your spiritual duty. Now I feel good about myself or about my walk with God just simply because, boy, I read my three chapters or my four chapters or my five chapters. Boy, I feel good about that. If you just glazed over them and you weren't in them and they're not abiding in you and immediately when you're done you go up, it's dismissed and it's all done and you're only feeling good because you did your duty, you really haven't gotten that much out of it. But I think it's a healthy thing to try to read the Bible all the way through every year. If you've been a seasoned Christian for any time at all, or a Christian for any time at all, and you haven't read the Bible all the way through, you need to get busy. <laughs> you need to be reading the Word of God. But I don't want you simply just to read it to get through it. I want you to read it to know it, to abide in Christ, to, to prayerfully seek the Lord, to pray and listen, to pray and listen. Praying the Scriptures back to the Lord, all of that is part of prayer and intimacy with the Lord. And so we see this at the very beginning of the ministry of Jesus. It begins with, with prayer. All of our life, every day, needs to begin with that. Turn to Luke chapter 4, if you would, in verse 42. 
and 43. And so his day, I think, begins with prayer. His ministry begins with prayer. But Luke 4 and verse 42 says, Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place, and the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. He says, he went, when it was day, he went and departed into a desert place. Now, there's other times where it speaks about that in the Gospels, and it's obvious that he was using that time for prayer. Now, there's a couple of thoughts to, together from this. One we, should, one, we should never be too busy in the ministry that we neglect the closet of prayer. Jesus, no matter how busy he got, no matter how many people were coming to him, at times he would, you could tell he just got away from all of that and he prayed. I think there's application and thought for this in regards to as individuals and as a church. As individuals, our, our life can get so busy even doing good things that we forget to pray. I've seen this in my own life. It's like sometimes I just want to get busy and get going and get started for the day and I have, I'm tempted to neglect the closet of prayer. You can't do that. You can't do that. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Martin Luther. I can't remember who it was. But I just remember reading someone uh, one time and they talked about how that, boy, today they had to do more than ever. They had so much ministry, so much going on in their life that they knew that they had to get up even two hours, they had to get up even two hours earlier to pray, to pray more. In other words, they knew their day was going to be so busy that they didn't put off their prayer time, they increased their prayer time because they had more to do. And I'm afraid that prayer is oftentimes the one thing we sacrifice first in our life. That when we have a busy life, that what's one of the first things that go? Is it prayer? Is it the Word? Listen, that when we have a busy life, the one thing that we need the most of, as the most priority, and we need the more of if we're busy, is prayer. In every aspect of our life, whether we want to call it label secular or spiritual, but I think all of our work needs to be spiritual in nature, even at our secular jobs, because we're as Christians, we're there, we're, we represent Christ. We need prayer. You got a busy job, you need prayer so that you walk with Christ and, and commune with Him so you can represent Him well and be a witness in your job places. The busier you are, the more prayer you need. I think we see that in the life of Christ. And so no matter uh, what is going on in our life, we, we need to pray. We can never be too busy to pray. Secondly, we, we need a long time. He went into the, a desert place. Sometimes he went away, even away from his disciples. Listen, I, I, like, um, I like praying with the church. Uh, honestly, on Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings, we don't have a, a real intimate time of us all together really pouring our hearts to the Lord very much. Wednesday nights, we do that a little bit more. I like that. I, I like the men's prayer groups when we get together and there's more of an intimate time of prayer. I, I like praying together with people. And that's all good. And I think we can incorporate that more into our public life. It's important. And the congregation as a whole. But man, let me tell you what, there's, there's, there's nothing like really that, that getting along with God. 
and having that close, intimate time with the Lord, just you and Him. Everybody needs that closet. <laughs> That's why one of the things I liked about that, that movie, War Room, she, had, she literally had a closet where she went in and would pray, and she'd have her prayer list up, and she'd pour her heart out to the Lord. Everyone needs their closet. I don't know where your closet is. Maybe it's a literal closet. But you need that place where you close off everything in your life. I like that lady, how she was trying to teach about prayer. When she began to do the same thing, she went in her closet. Of course, her closet's got all of her shoes, her dresses, and all of that in it. And then she'd be trying to pray, and all of a sudden she'd be trying on her shoes. And, or she'd be looking at something else in the closet. And she realized she had to remove everything from her closet. Everything from her closet so that she could focus on prayer. We need that, that deserted place where it's just us and God. I believe a place where you can pray out loud. A place where you can just pour your heart out to the Lord and, and you can just speak out loud to the Lord. There's something about prayer when you can do that with great freedom and liberty. Now sometimes that's not always the case. You can't always do that every day. But hopefully you can. Where you can be alone with God, nobody's around, nobody's in the house. It might, it might have to be on your drive to work. If that's the only a long time you got where you can talk out loud to the Lord and pour your heart out, turn off the radio and turn on the prayer. But get that a long time. My long time sometimes where I can just really talk and pour my heart out to the Lord is right here. When I'm here through the week when there's nobody else here but me, I, I like it a long time with the Lord. I'll tell you something funny happened to me this week. I'm praying. I'm down frame on my knees. I'm praying to the Lord. I'm pouring my heart out to God. I think it might have been Wednesday morning. I can't remember when it was. Just pouring my heart out to the Lord and just crying out to God, you know, about things. And, and, uh, and it was just a sweet time. You know, I love those moments. Just in communion with the Lord, you feel that freedom, that liberty, that power, that presence of the Lord. And it's just sweet. You know, I'm just, then I have a moment of quiet and I just hear this voice. I'm like, what in the world? I thought I was alone. I looked up, there's no cars. And I heard this voice, and I'm like, is that you, Lord? <laughs> yeah. And no, it was our little vacuum cleaner. It doesn't talk. It comes, out of, it comes out of there, and it comes right around here. <laughs> oh, man, I'll tell you what. That freaked me out, all right? I'll just tell you, it freaked me out. And I laughed so hard. And uh, anyhow, uh, so now I'm aware of that thing, and now I know that I'm praying, I'm hearing voices. <laughs> it's probably the vacuum. That thing talks when it's getting ready to take off. Uh, but anyhow, uh, so I think disturbed me this week. <laughs> but I laughed about now I'm ready for it. I think I'll be okay next time. Um, man, I did not have that in my notes. All right. You know, we need, we need that a long time, that, that, that close, intimate time with the Lord. And let me, let me say this too, uh, to you with, with, with a lot of kids, have, have families, uh, you you ladies that are home, you mothers are at home with your kids. I know that's difficult to find that time with the Lord. I know for my wife, most of the time, I think it was just when she first woke up, like tried to get some time in even before the kids woke up. And sometimes when your kids wake up before you do, what do you do, you know? It's hard to get that time alone with the Lord. And so uh, husbands, as spiritual leaders in your home, as spiritual leaders in your home, let me encourage you, challenge you, for, for the spiritual welfare of your wives, 
Make sure that you are doing something to help them so that they can get their alone time with Jesus Christ in the Word. They need that. They need that. You need that. But they need it too. And if your wife is at home with the kids and she's with them all day, she's having a hard time getting that time in. And so understand she needs uh, that, that solitude. She needs that time of alone with the Lord. I mean, if Jesus Christ himself sought that a long time with the Father, so should we. Let us never presume upon a day without seeking the Lord through prayer and, and then go in our own strength. Because if we do that, we can be certain that we shall fail. There might be some things in your life you've been trying to accomplish, same things you may have been trying to overcome in your life. Maybe a besetting sin. Or, or maybe you've been trying to do something for the Lord and it seems like nothing's coming of it. Now let me just challenge you to at least ask this question because this might be what's going on. Maybe not, but at least honestly ask yourself this question. Are you truly, truly in prayer and communion with the Lord? Are you spending time with Him? Have you really sought His strength? Have you really poured your heart out to Him in that manner? Are you really laying yourself, if you would, on His altar for His strength, for His guidance, for His help in that situation, for your family? Before you give up on your marriage, before you give up and quit serving the Lord, before you quit giving up on fighting that sin, can you honestly say that you are daily on your knees before God and seeking His face? Are you truly before the Lord and seeking His strength? Are you truly abiding in the person of Christ? Don't you dare give up on serving the Lord. Don't you dare give up on, on ministry. If you're not in that, if you're not doing that, the Lord wants us to know that without Him, we can do nothing. Nothing. I can't even pray right without Him. <laughs> I find myself trying to do a good thing of prayer, and I'm like, ooh, I'm just off on left field somewhere. And I have to cry out to the Lord, Lord, help me to pray. That's actually why I like to pray out loud because for some reason, if I'm praying silently, I'm actually distracted more. I like to pray out loud. If anybody hears me, they're going to think I'm crazy. <laughs> Very possible. Turn to Luke chapter 6. Jesus is now about to embark here upon a phase of His ministry where He's calling out uh, His apostles as He's beginning the church in Luke chapter 6. And verse 12, it says this, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Jesus himself prayed all night. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve whom he also named apostles. So as it begins this phase of ministry, uh, and his life and calling out the apostles as, as beginning of the church, he prays all night. He, he's being bathed in prayer, if you would, as he's making uh, these choices and as he's calling these men out as apostles. We should never rush into ministry without ever having first rushed to the throne of grace and stayed there long enough to find holy direction. We cannot stay up every night, of course, and pray. That's not what I'm talking about. But there's going to be nights where we need to stay up long and pray. 
There'll be nights where we're trying to find decisions for our life and for our family and for our church or for whatever it may be, for our work. We need to make sure that we are bathing ourselves in prayer and talking to God to find that direction. You may have something big the next day and you may not need to sleep more. You might need to pray more. I need to get in bed early so I can sleep more. Maybe you need to go to bed early so you can pray more at first. Oftentimes, we forsake prayer for so many other things. And those things are not going to fill us or thrill us with the presence of Christ. We forsake prayer sometimes for the television or we forsake it for other sources of entertainment to ourselves where we need to be make sure we're praying about things. Jesus prayed all night before He chose these men. What an example to us. As He prayed about this, we also find in Luke chapter 9, as we're working our way through Luke here in verse 18, then the disciples of John reported to Him, I'm sorry, it's the wrong chapter for me, Luke chapter 9, verse 18, and it happened as He was alone praying, that his disciples joined him. I mean, they're like, they, 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 wanted, to, they wanted a part of that. I love, I love those words. When he was alone praying, that his disciples joined him. They came to him. I, you can find many passages where it seems like Jesus has you know, separated himself even from his disciples to go alone and pray. Now, they've seen this a few times. Now they see it happening again. They're like, we, we want in on this. <laughs> Jesus is talking to the Father I want in on this. They join him. They come to him. They want a part of this. They want to learn from him. They want to grow from him. They want to hear. And so they draw close to Jesus. Where is Jesus right now? He's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Let's join him. Let's join Jesus as he's making intercession for us at the right hand of the Father. Here, I think he's even praying possibly with his disciples when it says they joined him. And so it teaches us something very valuable really about the person of Christ. And there's much we can gain really when we get together and we fellowship and we pray around the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. How often we need to be together and draw near to Jesus and to pray, if you would, with Jesus who is praying for us. As disciples of Christ, one of the ways we become prepared for ministry out there in the world is to spend time together in prayer and learning from the very words of Christ Himself. Prayer and listening to Christ together gives confirmation to His words as we discuss what He has taught us. There are so many other passages that talk about the life and the prayer of Jesus just in, in reference very quickly. Turn to Luke chapter 9, you're already there. But in verse 28, here we, we have a, a famous passage where it's about the uh, transfiguration of Jesus. Let's read the first few verses here in verse 28. Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. I love that. There's something about that. Be Peter, James, and John, they had, they had a special relationship with Jesus. But then Jesus is going to go up to pray, and He says, you, you, and you, come with me. There's been many times they've watched Jesus pray. They've seen Him go apart. They've seen Him pray. Sometimes they went to Him when He was praying. But now Jesus is going up to pray, 
And he's saying, you three come with me. I just, I just love that. But now, as he did this, it says, as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered, and his robe became white and glistening. <laughs> I'll just go ahead and stop reading there. I don't think that the rest is, is necessary for what we want to speak of here. There's some really brief thoughts here about prayer that I think that we can get from this. One, I love how that the countenance of Christ changed as he prayed. The countenance of Christ changed as he prayed. Now, not in the same manner. I don't think that we're going to transfigure in a way that this is speaking of. Definitely a, a miracle, if you would, uh, to really reveal, I think, his deity uh, before uh, his disciples there. They had chosen to go with him. But the fact that his countenance was changed is definitely something we can meditate upon. We cannot be used of God in ministry to change the world until we've been changed by God in prayer. We must stay in communion with Christ until our countenance is changed. Until our countenance is changed. We'll stay long enough in communion with the Father. We'll stay long enough in, to walk with the Son. We must stay long enough in that prayer and that intimacy with the Father in prayer until He turns our sorrow into joy, until He turns our, our ashes into beauty, until He turns our weakness into strength and our doubt into faith and, and turn our fear into courage and our indecisiveness into direction. We've got to stay long enough till we find that intimacy and that, that which we need from the Savior, till we find that love and joy and peace. Stay long enough with Him in the Word till we find that strength of, of, of temperance and self-control. Stay long enough. Cast yourself long enough until your, 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 your sorrow is turned to joy, till your hate is turned to love, till your bitterness is turned to forgiveness. Stay long enough. Don't get up and stay. Struggle and fight and wrestle against the flesh. You've got these things in your life that you know you need to deal with and you deal with them every day, every day, every day, but you're not staying long enough in the presence of the Savior to make a difference. You can't do it on your own, children of God. You've got to be there long enough, pray long enough, seek long enough, knock, seek, and find. It is there. How bad do we want it? How long will we persevere? Will we hang on like Jacob and say, I won't let you go until you bless me. We need that. So stay till your countenance is changed, until you are changed from inside out. And two, the second thing I love about this, if you read on to the context, is that the, the father speaks up for the son. You know, Peter gets a wise idea. <laughs> Hey, how about we build some tabernacles here for you and Moses and Elijah and speaking up when he shouldn't speak up and boy, the father speaks up. He says, hey, you need to be quiet and listen to him. Listen to Jesus. And when we bathe our lives in prayer, when we prayerfully seek our Lord and go in the power and strength of his might, listen, he will speak for us. He will give confirmation to our message and He will confirm unto others who we are. He said, this is my Son. You need to hear Him. And also, we can throw this in, there are some things revealed during those close intimate times that just can't hardly even be spoken about. 
We find here that as Peter, James, and John are with Jesus up there, the scriptures say there that when they came down, uh, basically they didn't say anything about it, what had happened until later. Folks, there's just some sweet, intimate things that God can reveal to you, confirm unto you, and bless you with in a private time of prayer that you can't hardly even speak of in private or, or in public. So the disciples seeing all of this life and this ministry of the prayer of Jesus, and so they've witnessed all of this. And then finally you get to Luke 11 and, and verse 1 came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, there he is again, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Boy, they have seen, this is toward the end of the life of the ministry of Jesus, they've seen him pray, and they said, Lord, we need to learn something from you. Let us, let us pray the same thing. Lord, teach us to pray. That would be a, a very good starting point. Lord, teach us not only how to pray, but Lord, teach us to pray. Never underestimate the importance of prayer in your life. It is greatly needed in our lives and enables us to do everything we need to do for the Lord. He does not want us to do anything without prayer to Him. Because you know why? If we don't go in complete dependence upon the Lord, what happens if anything good happens? <laughs> We're quick to receive the glory. But when we know we've went in the strength and the power of His might through abiding in Him and His strength, and when success happens, when good things happen, we know it wasn't us. It was Him through us that it was accomplished. If we go without prayer and intimacy with Christ and anything good was to happen, we would say, boy, look at what we have done. As we see and reflect upon the, the, the ministry of, of Christ and His example to the disciples, I, want, I wanted to ask myself this question. Am I living that example to others around me, to my wife, to my children? I don't know that I've lived that example as I should to those around me, but I want to. I want to set that example that, that Christ set before others where they would, they would come to Him and say, Lord, teach us to pray. We need a revival of prayer. I know I need a revival of prayer in my life. I don't want to do ministry without it. I don't want to ever begin doing anything for the Lord in my life and in ministry where I haven't first sought the Lord in earnest, intense prayer. It's the most vital part of the ministry. I mentioned this on Wednesday, but, but when the disciples there were being approached in regards to the widows neglected, they said, Listen, we can't do this, folks. We've got to give ourselves to prayer. They mentioned prayer first and the ministry of the Word. It's so important that we have a faithful exposition of the Word of God here in this place. But I'm telling you, if there's not prayer with that, there's not a dependence upon God, a communion with God, it will fail. I've mentioned this so many times, but you know, C.H. Spurgeon was asked in regards to his ministry and why he thought he could preach so well or why he thought there was so much fruit from his ministry. He didn't brag on himself. He didn't do anything like that or say, well, God just given me a great gift to, to preach the Word. You know what he would do? He would take people sometimes down to the boiler room of the church. <laughs> because you know what was down in the boiler room of the church? There were people down there praying for him while he preached the Word of God. That's all they did. 
They weren't even up there listening. They didn't have microphones. And, you know, they didn't have speakers down there. They were people that were so involved in the ministry of prayer. I believe the reason we have the morning and the evening that we have, the reason of the C.H. Spurgeon, the reason we have that, the reason we have all of that blessed ministry of C.H. Spurgeon, I believe we're going to find out one day it wasn't C.H. Spurgeon, that that wasn't the power, that it was a power of prayer that the people had for his ministry and for him. And so God worked through him. He was the channel. He wasn't the source. He was the funnel that God flowed through. His power through the people who were earnestly praying at that time. I want to preach with power. I want to preach every time with the power of God and the presence of God to see God do greater things in this church. I want to see souls saved. I want to see revival. I want to see us in the work of the ministry. I want to see fruit from that ministry. I believe we can see so much more. And I know it's got to start with me in my prayer life and, and my dependence upon the Lord and my throwing myself at His feet and depending upon Him. But I don't think it's, it's only me. I think it's you too. I think it's you as well. Do we want to see that more at New Testament Baptist Church? And I implore you, I beg with you, to plead with God and to walk with God. We can't serve Him right. We can't do anything right in our life without a life of prayer and communion with the Almighty. Make it first in your life. Heavenly Father, help us, I pray, Lord, to be a people of prayer. Oh God, I realize so much more than ever how much I need you. That sweet hour or hours of prayer. Father, I pray that you'd work so much within this message in a great way to draw your people, to give them a great desire for a prayer life that is hot, that is fervent, that is zealous for God, that wants to spend more time in prayer, not less, that we come to a place where we don't see the prayer closet as something to be avoided, but as something to be cherished and longed for in our life. Oh, Father, help us, I pray. Lord, to, to long for that intimacy with you. To not dread it, but to desire it. God, help us to subdue that flesh and help us to long for you more and more in a close intimacy with you and your Son in your word. Shape us, make us, mold us, change us inside out. Change our countenance every day. Fill us with your Spirit and help us, Lord, to serve you we're going to bring forth much fruit unto your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, and amen.